This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is... Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk back again with you guys for another episode of our Let's Talk Arsenal series. I'll be joining you tomorrow morning at 8am for the Raw Reaction Show. Well, I'll be going into some more in-depth stuff about today's game. But getting home from as enjoyable a fixture as today, I thought that I'd sit down and see if I could get a couple of Arsenal fans to come on and chat about Arsenal with me. And I've succeeded. Uh, so you've got a show this evening. Uh, let's introduce my guest to you today. First of all, it's Umar. How are you doing, mate? You good, Joel? Yeah, I'm good, TC. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad. How was uh, how was shift today? Covering things, happy days. You were speaking off air, and it's one of the most calmest of shifts I've ever done. To be fair, <laughs> relaxed, um, composed, but yeah, fantastic. Another three points, five points clear at the top of the Premier League table. Happy days. Yeah, no complaints at all. And we're also joined very happily by Raf. How you doing, Raf? You good, Joel? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Um... Yeah, enjoy, enjoyable weekend, to be fair. So um, can't complain mm. at all. Yeah, yeah, very enjoyable. Very enjoyable indeed. Uh, we've witnessed Liverpool lose to the mighty Bournemouth. You know that side that apparently <laughs> is not a big deal beating them. Yeah. <laughs> Only for them to go and knock out uh, Liverpool with a 1-0 win. Uh, obviously, the, the other results like Chelsea Spurs, we didn't necessarily enjoy Man City as well getting a victory. But today, Man United uh, dropping more points in the league, getting seeing Casemiro sent off, suspended for four games because, of course, that's his second yellow card, uh, yeah, uh, red card rather. And I think he's closing in on a two-match suspension for yellow cards as well. So, you know, it's uh, he might miss more games through suspension than he manages to play this season. We'll have to wait and see. But that's title challengers. Man United It's apparently still challenging for the title. Anyway, um, Umar, talk to me. How are you feeling after today's win? This team, TC, it's an incredible team. Honestly, like... Yesterday, Manchester City, they picked up a 1-0 win. I thought, in my eyes, it was a lucky win. I think it was petering down to a 0-0, if I'm honest. When Elise makes that mistake, you just have your hands in your head thinking, what have you done? Um, like, there's 15 minutes left of the game. 
it's a challenge where he shouldn't really be going for it in the penalty area. And Manchester City have an opportunity and they take it with the penalty uh, kick from Erling Haaland. However, everyone then talks about the pressure being on Arsenal. And yeah, the pressure will be on Arsenal because they have to react, they have to respond and they have to pick up three points in this Premier League title race. However, time and time again this season, when it's been tough moments through adversity, they bounce back. They prove time and time again that this is a top team. What, this 26-27 games you played this season, there's a reason why Arsenal are top of the Premier League table. There's a reason why Manchester City are five points behind. There's a reason why Manchester United are, what, 16 points behind. I've lost count, to be honest, in terms of Manchester United. But this Arsenal team... There was nervousness because this is that sort of tie where it's a banana skin of a tie where you're thinking Fulham this season, they've been fantastic. They're going for a European sport. They're playing very good football under Marco Silva. They've got talent amongst the team with the likes of Mitrovic, Solomon, and they can be a handful uh, to Arsenal. However, Arsenal, they performed like champions in this game. There was a swagger. There was a calmness in terms of their performance. They thought to themselves, if Manchester City won 1-0 last night against Palace, we'll go one better. We'll dominate this Fulham team and we'll put them to the sword in, what, 45 minutes. And they've done that. On another day, if we're brutally honest, it could be 6-7-0. But you don't want to be too harsh in terms of criticism because they've essentially won the game in 45 minutes. And that's what I wanted like, it's all good and well scoring 96-minute goal winners, 97-minute winners. But as an Arsenal fan, I know it's not good for my heart, <laughs> if I'm honest. I can't take too much of it. And Mikel Arteta, without doubt, what I've been saying to his players, we need to be more defensively solid. We need to be resolute and we need to stop conceding chances and opportunities. And we need to start having control of games. And they've done that against Fulham. 45 minutes, the game's done. Second half, you can reserve energy. You can take off the likes of Bakaya Saka, give him a breather. You can bring on the likes of Gabriel Jesus, who I'm sure we'll touch on in a bit. But yeah, a, a perfect afternoon at Craven Cottage. Arsenal proving once again that they're not, they're not going anywhere in this Premier League title race. And if Arsenal fans are still pessimistic, still not believing that we can win this Premier League title, you know, TC, I've said, how many months ago did I say we could win it? And we can. We can, and I believe we will win it. But let's let's see what happens in the next uh, few months. After Crystal Palace two 0 I think you said we're <laughs> going to win the league. <laughs> probably, probably. He was overconfident, but it's uh, it's certainly ringing true this season. Raf, uh, before I go into the, the finer details, just to get your uh, broad thoughts on on today's win. Yeah, um, similar to Umar, I thought it was going to be a tough game. I thought. Coming back from an away game in the Europa League, obviously we didn't know Trossard and Gabriel Jesus were going to be fit. I know we'll probably talk about them, uh, but it, there was a lot of things that were looking at this and thinking this is going to be a tricky game. Maybe win it two one. It's a game potentially we could draw. Obviously pressure was on us um, because of the the result at City, but I thought that the that we approached the game just ruthlessly, very efficiently. And I th- I felt like this was a game after a while where we were back to kind of the early season where we were just completely just dominating teams. And I, it, it was a really good result at a good ground. Um, 
So, so I, I was I was really impressed by her performance, especially in the first half. It's probably one. It's up there with one of the best halves of football that we've played this season. So, I was um, yeah, I, I was pleasantly surprised just because I thought there would be a little bit of um, a little a little bit of a, a, a hangover from the the Europa League game, and I just mm. think we acquitted ourselves really well. Yeah, we really did. Um, it was a great start. I was uh, we were in the mix zone after the game with with Charles Watson, Simon Collins, and uh, I would tell you who we spoke to because it will come out tomorrow around midday. But uh, Charles uh, brought up the statistic that we've won away from home in five yeah, of the five. six derbies without conceding, um, and uh, yeah, that's that's a mad stat. Like if you think about, especially yeah. Arsenal's away form. And in big games as well, you know, you consider Chelsea and Spurs in that. And our record, I know, is good at Chelsea, but Spurs, Umar, terrible. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned about the fact that we, you know, our defensive record's not been good. Do you think that aside from all the positives of the goals that we scored and, and the attacking flair that we showed, actually keeping a clean sheet was one of the most important things we could have done today? Yeah, without doubt. Um, because Fulham, our team at home, um, they're a team that can attack. Um, the fact that Saliba and Gabriel kept Mitrovic quiet, I thought, mm. for most of that game, apart from a few sniffs here and there, I thought he was quiet. I think it's a big, big testament because in the reverse fixture, fixture at the Emirates, he caused us problems. But I think in this game, we learned upon that. I think Gabriel and um, Saliba uh, together in the heart of defence were fantastic. I thought Ben White had a very good game. He was bombing up and down that right-hand side. I think the fact that He's putting balls into the box. I think the final product, end product, I think he's improved a lot in recent weeks. Zinchenko, again, um, a great performance. But I go back to the 91st minute when I think Fulham have an opportunity and Gabriel blocks it. And in the back of their minds, I think they know about that record, um, in the London Derby records. But he celebrates that block as if he scored another goal. And apart from the fact that he's put the ball in the back of the net, he's had a very good performance. This player loves defending. And he's a leader. He's a great character to have in and around the dressing room. And I'm still like shocked that Brazil don't call him up to, to their national team. But on the flip side, I don't mind. If he's fresh for these remainder of these 10, 11 games of the Premier League campaign, if he's firing, I'm, I'm more than confident and I'm, I'm more than sure He'll get opportunities for his national team because for me, he's been up there, if not the best defender in the Premier League this season. Yeah, it's a great point about Brazil, actually, because you know, obviously, Gabriel Jesus is only coming back into the fold, and this is the last of the only international break this year before the season finishes. So, Gabriel Jesus, they're not going to be going off to Brazil, so don't have to worry about anything to do with them. I'd imagine we're going to lose, obviously, some other players. Like Zinchenko and, you know, Wyatt, uh, I'd expect probably to go as well. And and Saliba, you'd expect to get called up to France again. Ramsdale, of course. Partey, we know, has been called up by Ghana. Um, Erdogan with Norway. Saka. Um, Trossard. Martin. Mm, I don't know. Martinelli been called up? I don't think he has, has he? No. No, he hasn't. So, yes, yeah, another one that, that won't be going away. So, it's really good news in that sense. And there will be some rest and recovery used during that period for those players let's talk about some specifics then Raf. i think there's only one place to start he's in the thumbnail of today's video 
Leandro Trossard, the assist king, uh, as we need to now call him. Five assists in five starts uh, for us so far. Mudrick celebrated like he scored a goal yesterday when he got his assist. <laughs> Um, and a guy that's cost a third of his price has got five times as many of those as he has in the same amount of time. Less time, actually, for his new club. So what have you made of our, our little Belgian brilliance? Oh, I mean, um, yeah, there's not, there's not there's not many... I don't know. There's not there's not many words I can use to describe him to be on what well, his lows, but I, I can't I can't <laughs> put my finger on it. I think he's been brilliant. Like I think yeah. if you look at his, it's a good start. Applications, words, to be fair, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I go brilliant. Brilliant's a good start. Mesmeric, amazing. No, I'm joking. Um, I think I think well, we're getting high levels of vocab here. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. I had to <laughs> drop them in. Um, I think the way that he's um, adapted to the way that we play, I think, is probably. The biggest thing that I can I can say to him, I think he's uh, he's played in, in in three different positions um, since he's been at the club. Well, well, you could say two mainly on the left and on the and centrally, but I think he also had a little stint on the right in, in one of the games as well. I think his his play, his touches, his interlink, uh, he's interlinking with Erdegaard and and, Mart- and Martinelli at times. I think. Just his general work rate as well and his decision making especially in 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 the final third is is exemplary like obviously we've got top wingers in Martinelli and, and Saka on their day but I, I would say Martinelli especially there's times when for all is 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 positive sometimes his decision making could potentially be a bit better and I think for what he maybe what they don't have, and not to compare them, but what maybe Trossard doesn't have in electricity in terms of like pace or just directness, I think his decision making in the final third is 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 exemplary to be honest. And I think he deserved the goal today with with his play, but I think he's assisting just contributing to winning, and and, and I think just showing that hunger. To, to to really kind of stamp his authority in our team and just make a difference is just is just amazing. I mean, the flip that he gave to uh, to Xhaka, I know he didn't score, but that oh, was man, just man. like it, it, it's just top 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 draw. Xhaka deserves think, dropping for missing that. Yeah, yeah, honestly, that like, why did he take a touch? I just it's sat top on uh, it. He could have done anything. With, like, the Wilshire, Wilshire, hundred percent. When when I saw that, that was exactly the goal that I was thinking of because it was just. It was just the touches. I think Rosicki scored another one similar as well, where it's just all you needed was a finish. It didn't need a touch. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I think think so. But I think with um, Trossard, I I think the the good thing about Trossard as well is we're buying a player who's got Prem experience, is Prem ready, but has also never played at this level before. Like He understands that this is kind of like his, his last, not last chance, but this is a big chance for him to establish himself as a top player in the league. And I think that he's he's grabbing that with 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 both hands really. So yeah, I can't speak highly enough about his performance. Yeah, absolutely. I saw a comment in the chat box uh, from Zach who says we found our Diogo Jota. Um, obviously, he's he's more experienced. He's a bit older, but yeah, it's a good comparison in terms of versatility. Um, having someone that can play in those those different positions on the fields. Uh, the man he fed uh, for the first goal, Gabriel uh, Umar, saw in the chat box. Uh, Onyx Len says, "Why doesn't Gabriel have a song yet?" I was actually thinking that myself when I was in. I think he does. Goals. I think does he, he does. Now, after the Sporting game, I think the Arsenal fans. And created a song for him. Well, give us a few chords, then, mate. Go on. 
<laughs> my memory is not, not that good, TC, and I'm not oh, that, that, that good. That's I'll have to look it up. I'll look it up. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, Gabriel has been um, a player that, what well, I think at the start of the season was in danger of becoming a bit of a scapegoat um, for Arsenal supporters. Because, and I remember writing a piece about kind of dis- about the idea of destroying the myth of, of Gabriel Magalash being a uh, a, a liability, as our good friend Bailey once called him at the start of the season. Um, but uh, he, since the turn of this year in particular, since, I mean, after the World Cup, to be fair, has been, in my opinion, the best centre-back in the league. And in these moments from corners where we've, you know, from a defensive point of view, been a bit more uh, vulnerable from, he just continues to pop up, you know, and be big in these moments. And, and he was there once again. Yeah, physically, he's a monster, if we're honest. Like, when you look at this Arsenal team, TC, Ben White, uh, Saliba, Thomas Partey, uh, Gabriel, imagine facing all of those players when you're defending a set piece or or a corner kick. You'd be frightened uh, as a defender because they're physically imposing, they're strong, um, they don't mind getting stuck in for a header. But yeah, it's, it's a good thing that we've started to score from corners again because at the start of the season, we were putting the ball in the back of the net from corners. But then for a few months, uh, I think we stagnated. But again, it was a brilliant corner from uh, Trossard and a great header because he wants it more. But yeah, Gabriel, for me, I agree. I think in the last few months, he has been the standout defender in the league. I know a lot of people speak about William Saliba, um, William Saliba, I think they complement each other very well. I like the fact that Gabriel, um, he has that emotion to him and I don't want him to change that, if I'm honest. I think that's what makes him such a good defender. There was a there was a funny moment in the first few minutes, I think Andres Pereira took him out and all Gabriel, he put, pointed his fingers to him and he said, don't worry, I'll get you back. Don't worry, I'll get you back. Uh, <laughs> and he, was just, he just kept pointing at him, pointing at him. Yeah. But that's what you want. And Time and time again, if he does go through a bit of a bad spell, if he does go through a moment in the game where he does make a mistake, I like the fact that his head doesn't drop. He doesn't start pointing fingers at other players, a.k.a. Shodran Mustafi, which he used to do in past years, which used to annoy me uh, a lot. But he he puts his head up and he says, OK, we'll go again. And he makes an impact. Like, he'll either score or he'll, he'll make a last-ditch challenge but we've got two great centre-backs that allow Mikel Arteta to play the way that he wants. We suffocate teams, if we're honest. And I think that's the reason why this team is so good. Because the fact that we have Gabriel and Saliba, who push so high up the pitch against Bournemouth, they're basically playing on the halfway line, if we're, if we're brutally honest. But we can do that because they're so good, they're so comfortable in the way they perform defensively. But... Yeah, I think Gabriel starts needs to get in the plaudits he deserves. I've seen team of the year shouts with, to be fair, Gabriel not even in there. And I'm just thinking like, what yeah. are these people watching? But yeah, kudos to him. And yeah, he's been fantastic for us this just, season. Just to add to that as well, I think, um, and, and not 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 in, in any way, shape or form to dig him out. But if you if you looked at the, the performance of Kivio in the, um, in the week, I think what people underestimate about Gabriel is the... The, the role that he plays in the team is almost like a, a what he plays almost like one and a half roles in that the yeah, fact that yeah. Zinchenko has to come in and, and play centrally a lot of the time, there's a big gap that's normally always on that side. And I think Gabriel has to do a lot to, to cover that 
from a defensive standpoint and, and also just from a, sh a shape standpoint as well, either kind of moving a little bit further across when we go into a back three or also kind of marshalling that side at times, especially when um, Zinchenko's caught out of position. And I just think that that, uh, because he's made some high-profile errors uh, in, in like big games, for example, maybe like the City game or, you know, um, he's got he's got sent off and stuff um, in the past. I think that kind of clouds some people's judgment as to how good he's been, and I think, I think now, I think if he can start to cut out that, just a couple of those errors, and then it's, it's it's a bit harsh because Saliba's made errors as well, but I think mm. we, there's a bit of a timber. If he can cut some of those errors out, I think that he'll start to get the plaudits that he deserves because in in our in our um, foundation in our framework, he's one of the most important players in our team. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, he's now the senior figure of the two centre-backs, whereas yeah. before, you know, he wasn't. He's the guy that came in at 22 years of age and had to learn and had to adapt. And I think it's a great point you make about the one and a half roles. And I think that's maybe why we saw Kivior become a little bit exposed on Thursday, because he's used to not having to do that. His left back is going to be a lot closer to him, but Zinchenko left that space. And that's why, you know, on this Thursday, I think we'll probably see Rob Holding come in and Gabriel start, and it will give mm. Arsenal a little bit more of a solid foundation at the back. Zinchenko might still play. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, I, I certainly think that Gabriel should be starting that game on Thursday and that should help us with the mm -hmm. the, the issues that we had uh, in, in Portugal. But uh, there's probably others that are going to come into the team on Thursday, uh, one of which, obviously... Maybe still in that set of forward role. We'll have to wait and see. It depends on Gabby Jesus, who we'll talk about in a bit. But he scored the second goal, Gabriel Martinelli. Um, I, I can't speak highly of a guy that, again was in danger, I think, a bit of going into that little bit of a period where fans were starting to question his form. Um, he was starting to be a little bit underappreciated. He wasn't getting the goals or the assists. But now they've started to kind of roll. You know, he got two uh, against Everton. He got one against Aston Villa, which was very fortunate, as we know. Um, I say fortunate. You still got him in the right place at the right time and, and received the ball from Vieira, make that run and, and beat the defender to get there. But obviously, you would define it as a, as a fairly simple open goal to score. But he's obviously got goals since then. And uh, he, he gets another header, um, which is... Is great because I remember when he first joined and we was playing in the Europa League with him up top. He was scoring some of the best headers for a small guy that I've seen. And he's had that to his game. But I want to talk with you about kind of the movement. We've mentioned Trossard already, but the movement between him and Trossard and the understanding between those two has created so many more openings for that centre forward, whoever it is, but particularly Trossard and Martinelli to interchange and move. And that's really throwing off opponents, I think. It reminds me of at the start of the season when uh, Gabriel Jesus and Martinelli were doing the same sort of um, things uh, on, on the pitch and they had that movement and teams were struggling to find a solution to that. Obviously, when Eddie and Ketia displaced Gabriel Jesus, when Jesus picked up that injury, we at times struggled. I think Martinelli struggled to have that same relationship with Enketia that he had uh, with Jesus. But I think since Trossard's come in, you're starting to see the same pattern evolve. Um, Trossard, he reminds me of Jesus in terms of the fact that he doesn't stick to one position. There, there's a fluidity, I think, in terms of that front three. They're not sticking to one position, but they're always interchanging. And I think that causes defence uh, so many problems because they don't know when to man mark. They don't know when to go to one player because they're always evolving. They always, they always have that movement. And I think we speak about Mikel Arteta in terms of rotation, in terms of 
he maybe needs to sometimes take players out the firing line. And we need to give him credit because you, you touched on it. Martinelli was struggling for a few weeks. And on social media, there was a lot of um, talk for him to get dropped, um, talk that he's basically he's struggling now in terms of making that impact that he had at the start of the season. And I, t- I took him out of the firing line. I think it was for that Villa game. Um, obviously, brought him off the yeah. bench. But I think that's the best thing that's happened to Martinelli. He, he said it himself in an interview that, yeah, maybe he did need to get out of the firing line and that maybe gave him a kick, kick up the backside. And I think in the past few games, you've seen Martinelli re-emerge again. Crucial goal against Leicester City, away from home. Another goal away from home against Fulham. Um, that goal against Aston Villa. But he's making impact now and that's what you want. And yeah, you've touched on it. Trossard's he's just a, f- a fabulous footballer. Like when I watch him play, there's so many footballers I have comparisons to of asked of of, of past Arsenal players, Santi Cazorla, um, Andrea Chavin, Alexander Kleb. Like there's so many, but he's a technician. And Mikel Arteta, I think in his post-match press conference, he made a very good point. He spoke about football intelligence, and Trossard has football intelligence. Like he he always has a picture in his head. I know what I'm going to do. And for me, the scary thing is we've not seen the best of him in terms of his finishing. I think he's one of the best finishers at the club and we've not seen that yet. So right now, I think Mikel Arteta, Arsenal, are in a great, great position. We have players coming back from injury and now we're in a position where we don't need to rush Gabriel Jesus back uh, to full fitness. We've got a front line which is working and what there's two games left until the international break. You can slowly ease Gabriel Jesus back to full fitness. So, yeah, it's a win-win right now. Absolutely. Uh, he became our top scorer today, uh, 12 goals. And uh, another player that got into double digits today was uh, was this man, Mr. Odegaard, <laughs> uh, getting on the score sheet once again, going into 10 goals in the Premier League for this season, uh, Raf, which is... I think something that a lot of Arsenal fans really wanted to challenge him to do last season, or at the end of last season, was to break that double digits, even when his output was very similar to that of Bernardo Silva of last season. Mm. I think, in fact, they scored the same amount of goals last season. And you looked at those two as kind of having similar kind of roles in in their respective sides. I know Odegaard now is kind of the main attacking creative focus in this team. But the fact that he is getting in those positions, I think he had something like... Um, was it 13 shots against Bournemouth? Something against similar. Bournemouth. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. it was 11. A ridiculous number of shots. And I think that's the thing that we've been challenging him to do is, is, is shoot more. He's certainly taken that to heart because you can tell by the number of shots he, he had as well. But what do you make of now his threats and the way in which he still manages to kind of find these beautiful through incisive passes to the players around? He is just seemingly the glue of that attack, isn't he? That just links it all together. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I think I think he's definitely a candidate for Player of the Year in the Premier League. I think, um, I, and I know me and you. I think when when he was initially bought, I know obviously there was the big Madison train, and you know we were both quite you know happy with the happy with the signing to be honest because I felt like it was a smart, logical signing. I felt like he was criticised a bit more than he should have been for his loan spell. If you remember, he he was doing really well and then he got injured and then he kind of took a little bit of while to work his way back. But you could still see that he was a top, top player. And I think since then, 
he's just completely, he's grown and grown. And I think this season he's just taken it to a, a completely new level. I think his goals, adding goals to his game just adds kind of, it's just a feather to his bow because ultimately that's not what his forte is. His forte is his control, you know, controlling the midfield, uh, understanding space, understanding, uh, getting it on the half turn, understanding all the different nuances that are needed in the final third. And I think that now he's adding that little bit of confidence to take more shots and to and to take more responsibility, which I think I think that's probably the key more than anything. It's not even necessarily the confidence. I think it's just him taking on more responsibility within the team. He's added that, and then we're just seeing the fruits. I mean, ten goals, and we still got eleven games to go, and then you're still adding the assist and the chances that he's creating. I mean, it's it's, it's just ridiculous, and and I think he's. All he needed was goals to kind of really start to put him in conversations with like the very best midfielders in that position in the league. And I think that he's adding that. I think he's interlinking with Saka, especially when you add Trossard to that, the combinations that they're playing, Xhaka, he's just he's just a joy to watch at times. And and I think that he's, the, the responsibility that he's taken on just, you know, from even down to just press conferences or like just him speaking and the way he conducts himself, you can see that he's the mouthpiece for for Mikel. You can see why he's been trusted to be the captain. Um, and I just think that he's just going from strength to strength. He's 24. I mean, it's it's crazy oh. to just think that at 24, he's, 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 he's kind of showing this composure, showing this kind of presence that he has on the pitch. And I think he's just going to continue to get better and better. Uh, he he continues to be my favourite player. You know, I put him on the back yeah. of the, the greatest Arsenal shirt to ever be produced, uh, which is this <laughs> season's away kit that we won in today, of course. Um, I, I'm so glad, by the way, that we're winning in that kit now because there was a bit at the start of the season when we lost at Man United yeah. in that kit. And I was like, please don't let this. Do you remember the, do you remember it was like the dark Navy kit with like the white turquoise and gold bottom half diagonal stripe kit we had? Yeah. Oh, it was yeah, like, yeah. It had three stripes at the bottom of it, and it was like mm. gold, white, and turquoise. And we never won in that yeah. kit, like ever. <laughs> yeah. It just didn't happen. So I was saying, yeah, I really hope this kit does not turn into that. And thankfully, you know, we've yeah, we won at Brighton, we won at Villa, um, and now of course we've won uh, at uh, at Fulham wearing this kit. So it's uh, it's certainly something I think that's helping us. Maybe we should wear it at City when we go there, because obviously it didn't work wearing the home kit when we went. So maybe we need to switch it up. Uh, I, I feel as though we've um, in this show kind of building up to the headline act, and even though he was only on the pitch for a, a limited period of time, um, Umar Gabriel Jesus returning. You know, we scored three great goals today and they all got big cheers from the Arsenal crowd. But the biggest cheer of the day, more than our goals, arguably, was was Gabriel Jesus coming onto the fields. I loved the, uh, you know, the 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 housery chant that away fans yeah. do to goalkeepers when they're going to take goal kicks. It's the same kind of thing, except the complete other end of the spectrum with the outcome of the chant when obviously he was building up to come onto the field. Um, but he obviously came on created an, a, a brilliant pass for Reese Nelson. I, I was baffled that Nelson didn't mm. take that on on his left foot, considering how he scored the last goal on his left foot. He should have smashed it with his left boot, but obviously still lacked a bit of composure and wanted to take it back on his right. And he could have scored as well. Fabio Vieira, who we really protected, I think, on Thursday night and talked about highly, even though a lot of people kind of downed him a bit after the sporting game. 
brilliant vision and pass from Vieira to, to Jesus to find him. And he should do better. And maybe if he's, you know, five games into his return, he might chip that over the keeper instead of kind of messing up his shot and hitting it straight at Leno. But what did you make of, and not only what did you make of Jesus' return, but A, are you surprised how quickly we've seen him? And B, what is that potential impact on this season? Yeah, if I'm honest, I was surprised, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I was looking at that game against Crystal Palace next Sunday for an opportunity for him to return, potentially even sporting Lisbon. But Mikel Arteta said continually in his press conference in these past few days that he's spoken to Jesus. He's, he's At the end of the day, the decision comes on Jesus. He knows his own body. He knows how fit he is and how healthy he is. And he apparently said to Arteta, yeah, I'm raring to go. I'm ready. And Arteta was a bit shocked by that. But I'm not surprised, if I'm honest. And it's a massive, massive boost. Like I can't tell you how big of a boost it is because it's huge, if we're honest. Like, take away the fact that he's a fantastic footballer, what he offers this Arsenal team, I don't think anyone can offer it in terms of what he does on and off the ball. And you saw it in what that 15-minute cameo he had. Like, he created two big opportunities and they're goal-scoring opportunities. Yeah, I thought Nelson, in my eyes, he should have gone for the shot. And then in, an, in another day, I think if Jesus has five games, six games under his locker, he probably puts that uh, ball in the back of the net. But the thing is, right now, we're in a very good position, as I touch, touched on before, because we're in a situation where we don't have to rush him in. We don't have to eat, like, hurry him in, because we've got players who are ready. However, we're going to have teams, Crystal Palace, wouldn't surprise me on Sunday if they come to the Emirates and sit back, uh, play a low block and defend for their lives and say in a scenario where it's nil-nil, 70th minute, we've got that card in Jesus that can come and change the game. And I think for these final 10 to 11 games, it's a trump card, if we're yeah. perfectly honest, over Manchester, Manchester City. When you look at our squads pre-match, you look at the lineup that we had and you look at the bench, the squad depth that we have. I was like, wow, this squad is unreal. Like, Emil Smith-Rowe didn't even come on against uh, Fulham this afternoon. And what he done, what he's done for Arsenal last season was fantastic. Uh, Jakob Kibio, he wasn't even on the bench. So we have so many options. But yeah, Gabriel Jesus, fantastic player. And I think it gives a boost to the other players in and around the team, I saw the social media posts after uh, on Instagram. They were all buzzing that he's back. You're holding, taking the mick out of Fabio Vieira. Have you seen that? No, no, I'm not seeing. You know, he put on his Instagram story. Um, never seen a player trip themselves up and get a free kick. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, but yeah, it's it, the players. I think they love Jesus. Like on social media, they're just saying, "Yeah, uh, welcome back, our brother. Good to have our brother back in the team." And I think they realise that apart from his qualities, apart from what he offers this Arsenal team, he's a leader. He's won this Premier League title. He knows what it what's needed in this final stretch, this final two months. And I think that is as equally as crucial as having him on the pitch because uh, it's going to get to the nitty and gritty in, in these final 10 games, 11 games. And when you get to the last five games, uh, towards the end of April, May, you're going to be facing teams who are in a relegation battle, who are competing for European spots. 
and they want to be picking up points as well. So say, for example, when you get to the 85th minute in the game, you need calmness. You need someone who you, you don't want, you don't want to rush it in those moments because it can be easy to hoof a ball and get nervous because oh, you've got a title to win. But I think Gabriel Jesus, Alexander Zinchenko, that's what you that's what you need in this dressing room. Winners, players who have done it, and I'm buzzing to see him back. But yeah, his cameo in the 15 minutes or so I thought was very, very good, if I'm honest. It's exciting. It's really exciting. Rafa, I want to ask you about another player, but it'd be remiss of me not to give you the chance to talk about Jesus as well. So on on his impact in the game and what you would expect from him do you would you like to see him kind of start on on Thursday to give him that chance or do you think it's a case of still needing to ease him very much back into things um I think it's it's weird it's a weird one because I think and and Arteta does this quite a lot you probably know better than I do but he's it's a bit it's kind of mixed messages in regards to how I would say mixed messages is an understatement. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) As a journalist, it is a bloody nightmare. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So, so because he said, obviously, oh no, you know, he's he's not ready, or you know, he still felt a bit of discomfort. But then he also said, we respect the physios or respect the doctors, the time frame. So clearly, he's gone through it time wise, and it probably was down to Jesus to say, all right, I'm ready to play now. Maybe he felt like, you know, I just want to kind of get back to full speed. So if he is at that point where he's, you know, he's done everything, he's 100%, he feels fine, then, yeah, you could play him or you could you could put him on the bench on Thursday with a view that Palace, you could play him, either one. But I think that now we just need to start integrating him more and more. And it just, it, but it's hard to say without knowing exactly where he is fitness-wise in terms of, you know, is he... 80% and we're reason him in or is he 100% and he just needed to be out there and kind of feel that all right I'm fine like I took a kick and I was mm-hmm. okay if you get what I mean so I would if it was me I'd probably keep uh, I'd probably play him off the bench I'd uh, it'd be off the bench against Sporting with a view to starting at Palace or you know at least playing significant time at Palace knowing that we got an international break more time to uh, more time to obviously train, more time to get back to match for, uh, practice with a view that leads is like, okay, that's where his season like really starts, if that makes sense. So it's hard to say, but it depends. Who's the other player you're going to talk about? I was going to ask you about who I thought, other than Trossard, was my man of the match. And that was Thomas Partey, who I thought was oh, unbelievable. Like oh, when, you ta- when you talk about world-class midfield performances... Yeah and transformative figures in the team. And you have these pretenders of United supporters trying oh, to claim man. Casemiro comes anywhere close to the influence that Thomas Partey has on this Arsenal team. He was brilliant. So wax lyrical, mate, for all I so, guess. See, see and, and, this is, and this is the thing, like, and, and, and this is a United thing, well, through and through. Casemiro is the best DM. Martinez is better than Gabriel and Saliba. They got the best partnership in the league. Rashford's better than Saka. They're they're amazing. Why are you not top them? Like, like it's just like why? Like if if if, all, if you've got all the best players, why are you why are you not top? Why do you lose seven nil? The Martinez and Casemiro are both playing. He can't pass. Like and and this is the thing. It, it annoys me because it makes you think like Casemiro is a good player. And mm. it makes you mm. kind of then say, well, hang on a sec. And you just start cussing him or thinking every time he does something, you'll be like, mm, you know, mm. Partey would never. But it's to me, I just think 
yeah, Casemiro's won a lot. He's a great player. But Partey's just levels above. When you just look at his control in the midfield, his passing ability, his press resistance, then you look at his strength, his the the way that he covers the defense, the way that the way that him being there allows us to push up, knowing that we've got got a shield there that before he even gets to Saliba and Gabriel, and then you start to add like some of the touches, some of the passing, some of the the, the angles that he finds passing between the lines. It's just like he's he's unreal. Like he's literally to me comfortably the best in that position in the league. But I think he won't get that. And, and this is the same with most Arsenal players at the moment. They're not going to get that till if till we win the league or till we start to play Champions League. But it's, a, it's, it's surprising with him because he came from pedigree. Like He's come from Atletico Madrid, playing at a top level. He's won things in the past, but it's still like he's almost having to prove himself. But to me, there's no one that offers what he offers in the midfield in the league. And that and that's comfortably like Casemiro is a good player, but he can't pass. Gets sent off every other every, like gets sent off or gets yellow cards all the time. I think it's underrated, and I think another thing to add to that as well is I do think that it's a bit of a travesty that we're not being spoken of highly enough about how we've avoided red cards. Our disciplinaries improved, and and Partey is a big part of that as well. Like never really gets like loads and insane amount of bookings. Like he's just an unreal footballer. He's just an unreal footballer, and I just, I just hope that we start to get the the respect that we deserve. Like once we win it, or you know, and I, and I just think that that's what we need to do. Yeah, uh, Omar, did you want to have a word on on Partey? That comment there, that's what I was going to say. Like we've seen Patrick Vieira run the show in terms of mm-hmm. um, Arsenal's midfield um, during the Invincible era and before that, and for me. Thomas Party is the best since we've had since Patrick Vieira, if I'm honest. When you talk about a complete midfielder, both defensively and also attackingly, people forget in terms of how good he is as a passer, progressive passing. And for me, this game against Fulham, like if you're a young midfielder and you want to watch a performance um, this weekend, I think you look at Thomas Party's performance against Fulham. And you watch how he played that whole 90 minutes. I think he was in cruise control throughout the game. And the funny thing is, it seemed like he was playing in first gear. Like, honestly, that. and obviously he's not going to be playing in first gear, but he was in so much control throughout the game, defensively um, uh, going forwards, um, the strides, the long strides that he has when he tries to retrieve the ball, when Fulham are countering. I think he's a sensational, sensational footballer. And Raf made a perfect point. Like, unless we win the league, I hope he will win the league. I think we will win the league. These players, the likes of Bakaya Saka, Thomas Partey, Gabriel, they won't get their flowers uh, until we win it. Because for me, I don't know what half of this uh, these opposing fans watch on a day-to-day basis, on a week-to-week basis. But it's not football, if we're being completely honest. And for me... The fact is, if we keep Thomas Partey fit for the remainder of the season, for 10, 11 games, Arsenal will win the Premier League. Because for me, he's Arsenal's most important player. Um, He gives me that sense of confidence. When he plays, I know we're going to be okay. And I've not felt that for a long time in terms of watching Arsenal midfielders in the past few years. But I know when he plays, we're going to be all right. When When he was out against Manchester City... I was worried straight away. 
And it, the the biggest thing is if we keep him fit for the final two months, for the stretch of this title running, Arsenal will win the Premier League title. Well, that's really, really key. Um, I was speaking to him after the... Uh, after the game in midweek against Everton, um, I think it was the Everton game. Uh, it might be one of the other games, but he was um, basically saying that, you know, the fact that he has been able to transition to the Premier League, uh, that's kind of been the big thing that's kept him out of games. He feels like the transition from La Liga to, to the EPL is what's caused these injuries that's had kind of crept up on him. And I think that whilst that's fair, I think... <laughs> There is obviously this, I think, a muscular issue that's just always reoccurred with him. And obviously, we've seen him miss such big games. I mean, you, there's, I think someone put a stat out when he missed the Man City game, like the games that he's missed in an Arsenal shirt. And it is really frustrating to the point where people say we need to go out and sign somebody in the summer because, you know, it's he's become too unreliable. But the thing is, you know, when he's here, he puts in those performances and you're like, well, good luck finding someone that's going to give you what Partey brings you because he's he's just that, he is that world-class level of midfielder that Arsenal have cried out for for so, so many years. And, you know, we, we identified him a long time ago, I think, but it was under Arteta and Edu and, and that that we got this deal done. And and you got to give him credit for making him kind of with Gabriel during that summer of 2020, the starting point of this project of, of signings that we've built this squad toward. And it's absolutely critical that we got that midfielder in if we were ever going to mount any kind of challenge, not just on a title, but just on the top four. It was important that we got that midfielder in and he's certainly given us that. And it's unsurprising that when he was out at the end of last season, we missed out on the top four. Um, so we've got to keep our fingers crossed that we've got them available for the rest of this season. Um, let's go to the chat box then for the last uh, just over 10 minutes of today's show. Uh, Raf Michael uh, Donnelly says, does Saka need a rest? I've seen this kind of crop up a bit more recently because I feel he's been a little bit quieter. Um, do you think there's more to be said about that a lot happens on Arsenal's left and he's kind of left to do a lot more work on his own and that creates too many obstacles for him. What do you make of it? Um, I think I think there's there's two schools of thought and, and I understand why people think that he could do with a rest. Like maybe he doesn't necessarily need to play in the midweek, but I just think, and um, I, a few people have mentioned this before and Arteta always talks about this. It's like, if we were playing Champions League, he'd have to play mm. both games, and 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 we would. No one says, you know, Kane needs a rest, or no one. When when Messi and Ronaldo, and I'm not saying that he's at their level yet, but when they were, or Salah, for example, Liverpool rotate the other two uh, sometimes, but Salah always plays, and I just think that Saka, if he's going to move into that, like you know, when we start to talk about him in in that company, which I think he's he's moving to. Let's let's be honest. If you look at his position, he's, 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 he's definitely top three in the league. So if you're looking at him in that company, I think he's just going to have to start playing games. And I think the good thing about Saka, I don't even necessarily think he's been quiet in all those games. I think he's managing himself within games. And I think he understands that he doesn't necessarily have to be at full tilt to be effective in games at times. And, you know, his robustness, I mean, I think he's played 68 games in a row now in the Premier League. So he's clearly robust enough. He could he could do a rest maybe, but I, I just think that he doesn't need, I think he is, he is that player for us that I think he's just going to play through. And I think that this season should be us gearing up towards how we're going to play in Champions League. We're clearly going to play Champions League football at a minimum now. 
and we're going to have to play all of these games. So our top players, the ones that kind of dictate our rhythm, are going to have to play the majority of these games. And I think Saka is definitely one of them. So I think he just needs to play, to be honest. And I think he plays yeah. through his form. Yeah, it's, I was just looking at his injury record. Um, he's not had an injury, yeah. not really yeah. an injury. Um, <laughs> I'm touching wood. I'm touching wood. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was going to say that. Yeah, I, <laughs> but, I, I think because I, I, I yeah. of him as well, I think it's because he gets kicked a lot and he looks mm. like he's injured during the game. You get that kind of sense that he's actually been injured, but he, he never is. Literally. Yeah, he had that game obviously against Forrest earlier this season, yeah. didn't he, where he came off injured. Yeah. He gets frustrated, I think, sometimes, mm. like just the amount of kicking and the lack of protection that he gets. But yeah, it's it, sometimes it feels like it's a bit of a ticking time bomb with Saka, and it's it, all these kicks are eventually going to land in something horrible. But you, you see players like Zaha, Grealish, you know, mm. they get battered throughout their whole careers, and they just mm. go. I mean, they'll probably pay for it in later life, you know, and <laughs> uh, and it'll be all right pain walking on their feet when they're 50, 60. But you know, for the time they're at their clubs, they're doing great service for their teams. But yeah, perhaps that's that's one of the reasons behind it. Um, let's scroll up and go to Jason says who Umar is your favorite player of the season so far and why doesn't have to be the best one just your favorite one that's a tough question that is a tough question if I had to pick one I'd say Bukai Saka if if I'm Ooh. if I had to pick one I know it's difficult I think Martin Odegaard's been sensational Thomas Party Saliba Gabriel but if I had to pick one I'd say Bukai Saka because for me in big moments He's come up trumps. Uh, I think against Aston Villa, when we were 1-0 down, he gets that goal, that brilliant equaliser. Um, and every single time I watch him play, I think he continues to improve. He continues to get better week in, week out. And when I look across this Arsenal team, I think we've not seen the best, if I'm honest, of Bakaya Saka. Like he's 21 years of age and he'll be playing Champions League football um, next season for Arsenal for this club, and you'll see the real Bakaya Saka in Europe. And I think then people will start to realise in and around Europe, in and around the world, what a talent we have. But yeah, I think for the past few years, I think last season, even when we were going for Champions League football, I thought he was very good. But I think this season he's taken it up a notch um, in terms of output, assist, goals. But his overall game, like even today, I thought uh, out of the front three, I thought he was probably not the best. He seemed a bit fatigued, but that's never a bad thing, if we're honest. Like, we, we have different options now in this team. And, like, even though it wasn't his best performance, I still don't think it was bad, if I'm being completely honest. And we're now at a stage where the standards are high for Bukaya Saka. Even against Sporting Lisbon, I think Raf made a very good point. He, he now realises that he doesn't need to give it 100% every single game. And even in that game against Sporting Lisbon, I don't think it was his best. But he still, when I looked at the statistics post-game after that game in, in Lisbon, he, he, the statistics were crazy in terms of how he performed. So I'd say Bukaya Saka, uh, just because if I had to choose, but you could give it to anyone. And you, to be fair, you wouldn't be able to contest it if we're being brutally honest. Fair enough. Uh, I did throw a uh, poll into the chat box 12 minutes ago asking the question about would you start Gabriel Jesus against Sporting or ease him in? Uh, 21% have said they would start him. 
so the rest, 79% have said so far that they would bench and, and ease him in. Uh, Bakary Lasagna says, uh, would you have been able, it is a funny name, uh, would you have been able to control yourself in the press box if Jesus had put that chance away? I, I was fairly controlled today. I mean, it was quite a... a it was kind of a job done from Arsenal. Mm. It wasn't one that I was, you know, it wasn't a Villa. It wasn't a Bournemouth situation. It was quite a, oh, this is going really well. And I tweeted saying, this was just a very nice day. It was just a very good day. <laughs> I had, and it was, of course, basically with the situation of Fulham is, if you've ever been to Craven Cottage, it's a very old-fashioned yeah. style ground. Yeah. The press box is tiny. And we're in the overflow section of the press box, which is even smaller. And it's just mm. one row. So it was me, Kaya, James Ollie was next to us. Behind us, sitting was Fabrizio Romano, was sitting in the row behind us. And then next to him was a load of Fulham fans, literally sat behind me with nothing between us. So if I'd have celebrated, I would have got a smack on the back of the head, I reckon. So uh, I'd be very, very chill today. Um, So yes, even if Jesus had put that chance away, I would have remained very calm. Um, O'Malley says, can we talk about Ramsdale, Raph? His concentration is amazing. Uh, he faces no actions, uh, but then when he's called upon, he's sharp. The only issue I have with him today was that chaotic giveaway. Giveaway, uh, yeah. Was it Solomon he gave the ball to. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. no, I think it's Pereira. Is it Pereira? Yeah, Pereira. Yeah, Pereira. Yeah, yeah. Um, to be honest, I think I think Ramsdale doesn't get enough credit. To be honest, again, is another one. I think. You know, there was all this talk about Nick Pope and how, how good he is. And, I, I, mate, I'd never swap the two. Mm. I think I think Pope's a good keeper, but he can never play the way we play. He's a bit of a tree stump leg. Should have got sent off today. Like, you know, well. like Mendy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I just think, I think Ramsdale, his distribution is so under, like, it's so it goes unnoticed because he's so good at it. I think when you see Turner, no, no disrespect, or some of the other keepers, it, you kind of then kind of appreciate how easy Ramsdale makes it look. Obviously, he has the odd uh, rick in him, but I think in general, he's been very good. And I think, you know, part of the, the amount of clean sheets that we've um, that we've had this year, uh, you know, a lot of the times there's been games where we, we could have conceded more or, or his save has been the reason what kept us in the game. Bournemouth springs to mind. Villa... Like those saves were as important as the goals that we scored. If, if if we concede those goals, we're not in a position to get the last minute winner. And I think, uh, yeah, there's not enough said about you know the job that Ramsdale's doing um, this season. I think he's I think he's taken a step up now, and he's definitely a top five keeper in the league now. And I think that we wasn't necessarily, although he was having a good season last year, we weren't necessarily saying that he was at that level now. And I think it's just that's his standard now. Yeah, I think it's a really good point to bring up. I don't think he... Because obviously Arsenal so focused on the outfield brilliance of the team, whether it's the defensive might of Saliba and Gabriel, or the creativity of Erdegaard or the ruthlessness of Martinelli and Trossard at times, you know, we don't never focus enough, I feel, on what Ramsdale brings, you know. And I do feel like that we would concede more goals if it was... Uh, Leno in goal or, or even Emmy Martinez in goal. I know that mm. Emmy had a really good streak for us, but I just think what Ramsdale brings to the team is just he's just complete synergy with the rest of the group. He gets on with them perfectly. The chemistry's there for his international teammates with a few of them now as well. And I think I love the fact that we've gone and got a keeper that's 
faced relegation battles. Like he has been under the most pressure. You could be, I, I, for me, genuine. Winning a title is is the toughest thing. But there are players that I think going through a relegation scrap is it's a different type of pressure. But it's it's competitively as pressurizing as what a title race is in a very different end of the spectrum. And he's had to deal with that. And not only has he had to deal with that, it's a very different type of goalkeeping because when you're playing for a team facing relegation, you're facing shot after shot after shot. And then when you're going yeah. and transitioning to a team like Arsenal. There's, you can go half an hour without doing anything, you know, and he's had to be stay concentrated and stay on it. I tell you what, though, I felt sorry for his dad when watching it when he gave that ball to Pereira. I reckon that Fez may have got a few rows <laughs> behind him when that happened because yeah, he would have been oh pulling at his dad's heartstrings. I think when that happened, uh, we got time for one more. Um, for, <laughs> I love this. I, this isn't the question, but Marcus says Mudrick Trossard or Richarlison? Who's been the best <laughs> signing? <laughs> I think we all know the answer yeah. uh, to that one. Um, we've got one already one about Ramsdale there. Um, ML Reaction says, we've been uh, here last year, and last year when top four is in our hands, we let it slip away. Do you guys have jitters or nerves of that happening this season? Omar, I'll start with you, and then we'll go to Ralph. No, if I'm being completely honest, um, I think last season... I think was the best thing that could ever happen to this football club. And it's crazy to say that, but I think the timing of of it, like the timing of us getting Champions League football last season, in an ideal world, we would have loved it. But I think this season, last season, I think at times we were boys when we came to the nitty and gritty, but this season we're men. And I know it's a different kind of pressure. You've got Manchester City on your coattails. Um, the pressure of getting Champions League football is a different ball game to winning a first Premier League title since 2004. But I think when I look at this team, and I think Ramsdale, he mentioned it a few months ago, that that gave them the kick up the backside. Like that pain, that disappointment, um, that feeling of upset, anguish. They don't, they don't want to feel that pain again. And that's why I'm very confident that that will drive them to this Premier League title. And when you look at performances, you look at the self-belief in big moments. What I see with this Arsenal team, they today at Fulham, they can dominate a team. They can put them to the sword in 45 minutes. When it's adversity, games against Bournemouth, when you're 2-0 down, when the pressure is intensifying, they can show a different side to this team and they can come back and get a result. You've seen it against Aston Villa. So this team has different different positives, different stuff in the armory that I think makes them a title-winning team. Yeah, as an Arsenal fan, I'm going to be nervous. I'm going to have a few jitters. But I think last season's experience, I think it's, it's perfect for this Arsenal, Arsenal team. If we were talking a season where last season didn't happen and we were going for our first Premier League title with us having not, not any setbacks, I'd be like, yeah, maybe this could be a bit too much for this group of players. But I think this season, this team is more older, they're more wiser, they bounce back. And for that reason, I see these away tests on paper. A lot of people are saying, yeah, Newcastle away is going to be tough. Liverpool at Anfield is going to be tough. The Manchester City game is going to be tough. However, when we go away from home, I back this team to be anyone. I know, honestly, I back this team to beat anyone because I think away from home, we're more street street smart, calculated, composed. 
And yeah, on paper, it does seem like a daunting set of fixtures, but I'm looking forward to it. I think last season will have helped us massively. And yeah, bring it on because these last 10 games, it's going to be a hell of a ride. But I think come May, it's going to be a special ride that we've we've overcome. Yeah. Raf, have fun following that, mate. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> how are you feeling about, the, uh, about not letting uh, last year kind of disappointment affect this season? So, so I think obviously there's been two, it's, it's twofold. I think the players have obviously learned from last season and they use it and they use that, I think, to fuel them. I think it's also the addition of some uh, experienced players, players that obviously know how to win, players that have been there before, not just Jesus and Zinchenko, but also Jorginho. Um, you know, just that experience to kind of being in, in, in pressurised situations and just understanding how to manage things. You know, you looked at Jorginho who's coaching from the sidelines and things. So I, I, I don't I don't necessarily think that we're going to... Um, it's the jitters. And, and I, I think context is important as well. Obviously, we did throw some games away last year, but we got injuries at, at a bad time as well. I think if Partey and Tini yeah. stay stay fit, mm. we, you know, I, I don't think we lose against um, Southampton right. and Brighton in those games. Yeah. I, I, I just genuinely don't think that happens. So I think there's context to it. I think with this year, I don't think it will be a case of throwing it away. I just think that obviously the away games that Umar mentioned are going to be tough games. Like, you know, we don't. Our, our record at Anfield's terrible. You know, Newcastle are, are, are a tough. They're not the Newcastle that we've that we've played in the last ten years. It's, it's this is a new Newcastle. So it's going to be a tough game. Man City away is obviously going to be be a massive game. So it's just how we overcome them. Uh, Umar kind of alluded to it. The positives are, I think, away from home we're probably better than at home at the minute. I think definitely a bit more solid. I don't know if it's teams come out a little bit more. And, and believe that they have to play their game away, or we have a mindset that because we're away, we have to start fast and kind of, you know, we're, we're a bit more focused. I'm not sure. But away from home, we have been good. So it's a challenge, but I think that it won't be that we're, it won't be jitters. It just may be that, you know, they're difficult games. And and, and if we drop points and, and Man City go on a relentless run, then who knows? But I, I think that this team's shown that they're made of, strong stuff i think we're showing that we can find ways to win um and i think that's the most important thing you know there's times when there's going to be clean sheets there's times when we're going to have to come back from defeat um but we're, we're just finding different ways to win and that makes me a bit more confident in the running in that at least it's not going to be jitters it's just going to be you know if you see you're the better team or not and i think yeah but i think we've got a very good chance i think we're up for the challenge yeah, I just I keep looking at the table, like, and I keep looking at the number of games played and the number of games we've got left, and like it's just counting mm. down. Like, and I don't believe that City will go perfect until the end of the season yeah. either. You know, I, I think that I, I think both of us are going to drop points. I, you know, to expect mm. the next eleven games to be you know all wins, I think is unrealistic. But there's thirty three points left to grab for Arsenal. Um, and obviously, we've got to go to Anfield and St James's Park, and which, to be fair, I don't look at as necessarily St James's Park as the the test I would have done, say, three months ago, um, mm. because they have turned a little bit of a corner in 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 the worst direction. Um, and the City game, 
I don't go there fearing City at all. I go there excited. And I feel as though that's... It, it feels like it's a game where people are placing everything and saying Arsenal have everything to lose in that game. And I don't look at it that way. Yeah. I look at it as Arsenal go there with an opportunity. You know, I look at Arsenal going there really could play, especially if we can go there with a buffer so that if we don't say if we do lose, we've still got a buffer and we're clear at the top of the table. So if we can maintain that five-point gap, that'd be great. And that will, I think, require probably a result. Um, actually, it might not require a result against Liverpool because it might mean that because City have that game that is postponed because of their FA Cup. When, when would that be? When would that mm. be that game in? So, what in terms of playing City? No, that game in hand. Obviously, we City don't play this weekend. I think it's in. Mm. It'll be a midweek game, like towards the last three weeks of the season. Um, okay, they're gonna have like a random fixture. Like, I'm just looking at the season now. I think it would be placed between the their Leicester a home game and Brighton away game. Because there's uh, that's between the 16th and the 23rd of April. I think it would go there. Hmm. If not, yeah. it would go between the 6th of May and the 13th of May, which is between Leeds at home and Everton away. So it's going to be precluding a uh, preluding, sorry, uh, an away fixture. I think so. That's interesting. Hmm. I've said this before. If we beat, we could go to um, we could go to the Etihad. Oh, we could go to Anfield. 11 points clear. 11, 11, 11, yeah. Yeah. Because City don't yeah. play because of their um, FA Cup thing. So we'll go eight, We'll go three points ahead if, touch wood, we win our next couple of games. Mm. And then if Liverpool beat City the week before we play that, before we play Liverpool, then you mm. go in 11 points. It sounds psychologically. Mad. Psychologically, I think that's important, though. I think not many people yeah. are speaking about that. Like, if we beat Palace, well, we got eight points in front of them. And for me, I'd rather have the points on boards than games in hand. So psychologically, City are the ones who have to chase. And that causes pressure in itself. I think that game against Liverpool, which TC you've touched on, April 1st, I think that's a big game. And I'm happy the fact that Liverpool have lost to Bournemouth this weekend because they have to go there and they have to get a result because their Champions League ambitions are on the line. So yeah, it's oh, going to be a to beat City. Game. They'd yeah. love to beat City. Yeah. I know there's some of the fans yeah. out there, and you know what I'm talking about the ones that post on social media that hate Arsenal. <laughs> you know, we haven't got the best relationship <laughs> with Liverpool at all, but they'd love to beat City. They need to beat City, um, and and certainly it's going to be a very interesting game. They don't have the best record at the Etihad, it should be said, um, mm. but we know that they're good enough to beat you know teams like Man United as well as they did the other day. And as you said, there they've got the motivation to try and beat them. Everything is up for grabs for Arsenal this season. It's a great opportunity mm. that we've got. And as I think, Raf, as you pointed out, if we can keep Partey fit, we've got a great, great chance of, of achieving that. Mm. Um, we're going to wrap things up there. Thank you so much, guys, uh, for tuning in in the chat box. We've taken as many of your questions and I've highlighted as many of your comments as I could throughout the show. So I hope you've appreciated the impromptu episode tonight after what was a great day of, of supporting Arsenal Football Club. Do drop a like on the video and subscribe if you're new. Umar, thank you for your time, my friend. Always a pleasure to chat with you. Tell people they can find you. I don't even know where they can find me. You can find me on the Arsenal way and on Twitter. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot my at. You know that. I think TC. Uh, you, you, put, you, you can. You can mention it. Uh, yeah. I mean, your at's annoying, is what your at is. I talk, I talk about this before. <laughs> Who puts an underscore at the beginning of their at? Like it's at no. underscore Umar C ten. What's that about? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> was Umar C ten taken? Is that what it Probably, was? Probably potentially. Yeah, <laughs> potentially. So, so you thought. 
I'll annoy the world and put an underscore at the beginning of my I, Twitter I, handle. I thought, I thought to myself, I have to annoy TC, so yeah yeah that's clearly <laughs> clearly what it was uh right, thanks mate i'll speak to you tuesday um on yeah. the arsenal way look forward to it uh matt oh, randy called you messy then which i could do but uh mess Raph, you thank do. you so much yeah. for coming on really appreciate your time tell people they can find you um it's at messy music at messy music and ball on twitter and instagram and tiktok i think i'm on there as well one of them getting around but yeah <laughs> So getting around, mate. Yeah, that's what she said. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, but yeah, just anything. Yeah, anything. Yeah, any any of them to our Instagram. Hit me up. Lovely stuff. Uh, yeah, do make sure you go check out Umar and and uh, Raf stuff. It's uh, always worth broadening uh, your views on social media and stuff like that. And they're two fantastic followers. So make sure you go and give those the attention they deserve. You can find myself at Tom Cantor Media at Laguna Talk TV. You can also get holds. I mean, Raf's not got a, a TGT cap on, but he does have a black cap on, and you can get hold of a TGT black cap with either of the uh, the red TGT logo or the grey one. All of the profits go to Cancer McMillan. And support and to the Arsenal Foundation. So do make sure you get yourself involved and get yourself a cap. Uh, we've already raised over £300 in the space of a couple of days, uh, which is great. Uh, I'm expecting that to slow down because obviously we launched it and people have gone mad over them, which is great. But if you could, if you haven't already got one, make sure you do it. It's available worldwide, not just the UK, as I said before, it is worldwide shipping now, uh, which is great. So do make sure you get hold of them. If you're going to the Chicago event as well, I'm hoping to take some with me. Please don't make me take them back with me. I want to get rid of them. So uh, yeah, do grab some off me at the Chicago event as well. Very much looking forward to that. I will see you tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. to break down this game even further with some more solo info on that. Uh, and there is an interview with uh, one of the Arsenal players from the game coming out on Football London at midday tomorrow as well on the reaction to uh, today's victory against Fulham. So make sure you go and check that out at lunchtime. See you soon. Have a fantastic evening. And uh, yeah, bask in the glory of Arsenal going five points clear once again. We'll see you soon. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.